0: The following audio is from Redemption Church, San Francisco. For more information, visit RedemptionSF.com.
1: The reading of God's Word comes from Colossians 2, 16-23. Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings, These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. This is God's word. You may be seated.
0: Good morning, church. It's good to be back here with you this morning. And uh, just a quick announcement. Um, We are having the men's retreat uh, this coming weekend, actually. So the men's retreat will be happening uh, beginning the evening of March 31st, uh, and we'll have uh, we'll spend most of the day together April 1st. And so we would love for you, if you can carve out the time in your schedule, to be with us for the men's retreat. It's uh, going to be at Redwood Christian Park out in Boulder Creek, California, not too far away. And uh, once you sign up, there's going to be a sign-up sheet out in the hallway in the four-year area after service. But once you sign up, we'll get you the details. Uh, A ton of us are going to meet here and uh, carpool together out to Boulder Creek, if you can make it. But meet us there. Uh, It's going to be a fun time. We're going to be challenged in the Lord. We're going to have some time for the men to pull away a bit to worship together. But the most meaningful part of it all will be just fellowshipping together uh, and getting to know one another better. So we would love for you to be a part of the, the, the men's retreat. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 2 this morning, and what we heard Adrian read was the very word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. It was a fall day in St. Louis. Uh, The sun had just went down, so it's getting dark, and my brother and I decide that we're hungry, and you know, we, we... We have this desire to to stay healthy and to keep our physiques together. So we decide to go to White Castle. Yes, we go to White Castle. And uh, White Castle in St. Louis is a big deal. And so we drive up to this White Castle. I'm driving, and my brother's in the passenger seat. And the drive-through line is always long in the evenings in St. Louis. And so we get into this line. And we're just moving ahead bit by bit. Uh, It's getting darker and darker. And we're sitting in this long line. And all of a sudden, a guy knocks on the passenger side window. And you need to know that this is the kind of drive-through that uh, there's no space to get out. Once you are in this line, you are in it. You cannot go anyplace. And he knocks on the passenger side window where my brother is sitting. And he says to us, do you guys want to buy some DVDs? <laughs> now, obviously, this is before the time of streaming and all of that. But he says, do you want to buy some DVDs? He has this little small duffel bag, and he tilts the duffel bag over a bit, and he begins to make his pitch right there in the drive-thru line. He begins to pitch DVDs, and, and my brother says to him, "He lo- my brother loves movies. And he says to him, what, how much for the entire bag? And the guy quickly responds. He, he had it all together. $20 will get you the entire bag. And my brother, loving movies like, like his normal self, he reaches into his pocket. He grabs $20, and they make the exchange and as soon as the $20 hits this guy's hands, he darts off into the darkness of the night. That's weird, right? So we're thinking to ourselves, what just happened here? And my brother begins to look through the bag. And what he finds is not DVDs, but some old scratched-up disc. He finds empty DVD cases. There's nothing of substance there. It was, a, it, was a, it was a fake deal. There was nothing in the bag that was authentic. And you know, uh, this was before all this pastoring stuff, so you know, uh, the first thing I said, well, let's go get him. <laughs> and, and, and here we are locked in a drive-thru. We can't go anyplace. And it was too late. He was off in the night. He he had given us a raw deal. There was nothing authentic in the bag. It was a counterfeit deal. And we had to learn the hard way. See, the reality is there are times things are too good to be true. And sometimes we ought to just believe it, that they're really too good to be true. We got a raw deal. And I think when we move closer to this text, what we will see the Apostle Paul pointing us to is the raw deal of faith. The Apostle Paul would essentially tell us that if you are attempting to add anything to the gospel of Jesus Christ, it will only lead you to a counterfeit faith. And there will be nothing authentic about the deal. That if you attempt to add and build onto what Jesus has already finished at the cross of Calvary, it'll lead you to a counterfeit faith. For this very reason, I've tagged our text this morning and our time together, Counterfeit Faith. But before we go to work, would you pray with me? Father, thank you. God, we thank you for the privilege to worship Father, we thank you for the privilege to gather together. God, I pray this morning that you would teach us by your word. I pray, God, that your spirit would be ever present with us. God, we need to encounter you this morning. And God, even something that may at times seem familiar, maybe even a familiar message, God, I pray that you would give it to us in a fresh way. God, we need to hear from you. I pray, God, that you would move me aside, that we would indeed hear from you this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. We're finishing up the first half of Colossians today, and we've been walking through Colossians, unit of thought by unit of thought, and it hasn't taken long to come face-to-face with the main purpose of Paul's letter to the Colossians. See, Paul wants to communicate the sufficiency of Christ. Remember, this is a church that the apostle Paul has never actually visited. He's never had the privilege of going to Colossae to spend time with this church. Yet he is concerned with these young believers. Over and over again, Paul points to the preeminence of Jesus. It is this idea that all things We're not only created by Jesus and not only sustained by Jesus, but the idea that there is nothing on this earth that is before Jesus. Last week, Paul gave us a clarion call that since we've been made whole in Christ, since we've been made alive in Christ, we ought to live like it. We we ought to act like it. Paul has said live like people who have been made alive. Paul also told us that we were forgiven, and in a beautiful way, we found out that our slates have been wiped clean and that Jesus has canceled the record of debt that once held us hostage. Isn't that beautiful? That Jesus has done for us what nobody else could do. He wiped our slates clean, He has freed us through the work of the cross. Yet, even in freedom, temptation is inevitable. And this is what the apostle Paul is challenging the the church of Colossae to be careful with. Because there are some false teachers who are asserting their opinion and who are attempting to water down the gospel. And what we run into over and over again is this message that Jesus needs no additives. Listen, what I love about Colossians is that it's Paul's way of saying, "Uh, you know what, let's just stick to the main thing. Let's just drill down to the main thing. It's crazy because Paul knows it was in the, the nature of the Colossians to have a wandering hearts. And he knows that that's in our nature as well. That our hearts sometimes are led astray. So Paul does the heavy lifting that we might fix our gaze upon Jesus. That we might focus upon our, our eyes upon him and on him alone. In fact, Colossians is fitting for our church because if we are going to be known for anything, we ought to be known for a church that that has a high value of Jesus. If we're going to be known for anything in the city of San Francisco, shouldn't it be a church who is passionate and deeply concerned about the movement of the gospel of Jesus Christ? if we're going to be known for anything, if we're going to be a church that thrives in the city of San Francisco, shouldn't our reputation be confidence in Jesus? We're confident in nothing else. This is what the apostle Paul is working toward with the church of Colossae, that they would be confident in Jesus if If they have doubts about anything else, if they have concerns about anything else, if they have questions about anything else, may their confidence be in Jesus. And church, that's my desire for us, that that would be true of us, that that would be our reputation in the city of San Francisco, that we would have our hope and our confidence in Jesus. So as we look closer to our passage you have to understand that the Apostle Paul, is, he is essentially saying with the word, therefore, he's building on all that he's already done and all that he's already said. And specifically, he's building on this idea of the victory that is in Christ Jesus. He says, remember remember this, just before our passage, Paul says that Jesus has put other rulers and authority authorities to open shame it says he's put them to open shame which means Jesus has the victory and last week we said uh, in antiquity when when a Roman uh, 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 when a Roman army would go conquer another city what they would do is they would take those who survived they would take those prisoners and those who gave in and they would take them and they would march them through a city And it would show, it would put their their victory on display. And Paul says this is what Jesus has done with the rulers and the authorities. He's put them to open shame because he has the ultimate victory. And he is challenging the church to remember that this morning, that Jesus has the victory. And you and I, because Jesus has the victory, we don't have to fight for victory this morning. We fight from the victory of the cross. Paul is saying following rules will not make us more acceptable to God. And he wants us to see that in this passage this morning, that following rules will not make us more acceptable to God. Look at verse 16 with me. Paul says it this way, therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a sabbath. Paul knows that there are some who have roots in Judaism who, who are attempting to lay the weights of legalism upon the believers in this young church. He sees this. There's essentially, they're essentially saying you can only eat certain things. They're saying you can only drink certain things. You have to observe these certain festivals, and you must be religious about the Sabbath in addition to trusting Jesus. Paul says not so. Saying you, you, you need to obey this festival. You need to obey the Sabbath religiously. You can only eat certain things. That, that pork, those pork ribs that you like, no, you can't do that. Uh, that fried chicken you like, no, you, you can't touch that. And they're, they're lifting up these weights of legalism. And they're laying them upon the shoulders of the Colossians. And they're essentially saying it is Jesus plus these rules. And Paul is saying that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is not about obeying rules. He he has a problem with these false prophets who are essentially teaching the Colossians duty rather than love and affection for Jesus. They're pushing duty and they're pushing obeying rules and they're pushing regulations when Paul is saying it's about the gospel and not about your rules and not about obeying laws. They would say, you can only eat these foods. It would be like someone telling you, in order to be considered your parents' child, uh, you must get accepted into this certain school. In order to be considered your parents' child, you must get these certain grades. In order to get Uh, To be accepted as your parents' child, you must get this kind of job. And, And I recognize that some of your parents may have put that kind of pressure on you. But even if you hadn't accomplished those things, guess what? You're still their children. And they cannot cast you out of the family because you belong to them biologically. And through faith, essentially, the Apostle Paul is saying, Rules won't make you more acceptable. Regulations won't make you more acceptable. Eating or drinking the right things won't make you more acceptable. It's about Jesus. See, though they already know this, Paul is reminding the church that you cannot will your way into the kingdom. It is if these false teachers, they they are heaping on weights, weights of legalism see when jesus has already performed so that we wouldn't have to perform listen to what the the apostle paul says in verse 17 he says these he's speaking of he's speaking of all these rules he says these are a shadow of the things to come but the substance belongs to christ don't miss this paul is saying these rules and all of these regulations, these false teachers are attempting to add to the faith. They're not even the real thing. He's saying these rules are just a shadow of reality. And these, the shadow essentially has no real substance. A shadow is just a glimpse of the reality. And the reality is Jesus And all of these rules, these regulations that these false teachers are attempting to heap upon the shoulders of the Colossians, they are just a glimpse of who Jesus is. And the Apostle Paul is making the case that none of us ought to be satisfied with just a glimpse, That, that none of us ought to be satisfied with just a shadow, but we ought to desire substance. We we ought to desire the real thing, and the reality is in Jesus, and he is the one who our hearts long for, and Paul saying, don't settle for a shadow. Listen, Jesus has a similar message in Matthew chapter 15. Jesus was always dealing with the Pharisees who tried to put additional requirements upon people if they were to know God. And the Pharisees were the religious experts of the day. They, they were the real law keepers. So Jesus even says in front of them, in Matthew chapter 15, verses 17, 17 through 20, he says, Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, comes murder, comes adultery. Out of the heart comes sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands, here rules and regulations, to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. This is powerful. Jesus says it's not about what you eat or drink, and it's not even about how you eat or drink. The journey of faith is more about the condition of your heart. The journey of faith is not about these legalistic rules of do this or don't do that. It's about the condition of your heart. Jesus knows if he has your heart, he will get your performance. Jesus knows this. It's the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. The prodigal son uh, essentially says to his father, Daddy, give me my inheritance. And he takes this inheritance and he goes out into the far country and he squanders everything that had been laid up for him. He, he spends it on prostitutes and in strip clubs. He, he squanders it all. And he comes to himself as he's in the the filth of a pig pen. And he comes to himself and he realizes all of the good things that his father has at home. and, And he decides to make his way back to his father. But before he could even get to his father, his father is running to him to embrace him and to welcome him back home. But there's another brother in the story, there's an elder brother who has been doing all the good things he's been obedient to his father he he has been at home and when he sees the love that the father extends to the one who has been out in the far country he is upset why because he believed that his rule obeying That obeying the rules, obeying the regulations, he believed that his performance would get him acceptance to God. And Paul would say, Not so. It is Christ and Christ alone who is the way to God, who reconciles our relationship. It is Christ who gives us the privilege by faith of the great exchange. In which he takes on our sin and exchange for it his righteousness. He declares us righteous. And the apostle Paul is pointing us to this this morning. That it is in Jesus that we find our acceptance and our true hope. Uh, When I was in high school, um, I, I had this strong desire to be a part of the touring choir. Yeah, I know that's weird, uh, but I wanted to be in the touring choir, you know. And uh, honestly, um, primarily, I wanted to be in the tour. I like singing a little bit, but I really wanted to be in the touring choir because they went on great trips. And also because some of the prettiest girls in school were in touring choir. This is before my wife, you know what I'm saying. And so I desire to be in touring choir, but in order to get in touring choir, uh, you... You, you, had to, um, you had to go and, and uh, essentially audition before the choir director. A- and, and so I decided, you know what, I'm going to sign my name up. I'm going to uh, audition because I want to be uh, in the touring choir. And so I got up all the nerve, and I remember I got scheduled for an audition, and, and, and I went in, unbeknownst to me, you are required to read music. Oh, shoot. You know, so so when I walk in the room, there's this music stand and, and there's there's sheets of music on the music stand, and, and the choir director has selected a certain piece uh, to to, uh, to for you to perform. And so I walk there, and it's just me and him and this music stand, and I had no clue that that we were supposed to read music, you know, because I just wanted to go on the trips, I just wanted the girls, and so you know I I look at the the, the music. Um, uh, stand, and it's some operatic kind of piece or whatever. And uh, so, so, y'all, I, I just butcher this thing. I just go for it. I, I literally just go for it, and I'm thinking to myself, it's about to go down. And I, and I can tell the choir director, um, he's not impressed. And so I take off after the, the audition, and uh, a couple days later, toward the end of the week, uh, it was time for him to list who's on, who made the team, who's, who's actually in the choir. And, 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 you know, I know I didn't make it, but I just wanted to look just because. So I go up to the door, and I'm looking down, and my name is usually at the top because I'm in the D's. And I look and I realize my, my name is actually on the list. And y'all, I just cannot believe it. Because whoever composed this song is literally rolling in their grave after I performed it. And I cannot believe that I actually made the list. And I think I only made the list because of the grace of the Father and not Because of my performance. See where I'm going with that? Paul is essentially saying, God has been gracious to us. And he has been so gracious to us that our performance, even in our best performance, it will not be good enough. That he has done the work for us. And all we have to do is have faith in him. Are you performing this morning? Are you attempting to use your righteousness to attain the good graces of God? Are you working to attain the acceptance of God by your morality? Is it your abstaining from alcohol? Is it your desire to be a virgin when you're married? Is, what is it Whatever it is, the apostle Paul would say to you and I this morning, it's not good enough. And the only thing is, is the work of Jesus Christ. Not only will following rules not make us more acceptable to God, but we've got to see even the supernatural will not make us more acceptable to God. Look at verse 18 with me. Paul says, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism, And worship of angels going in going on in detail about vision stop there to be disqualified is to be declared unfit for the game. It is it is as if some of these false teachers are acting as referees and they're essentially ejecting people out of the game for not playing the game correctly. Paul is saying to the Colossians, don't let them treat you that way. He's saying you've been made alive, you've been made new because of your faith in Jesus. Listen, Paul is saying that they're not your judge, so they can't pass judgment on you, and they're not your referee, so they can't kick you out of the game. He says do not let anyone pass judgment on you, and do not let anyone disqualify you. In essence, he's saying to the Colossians, your standard on how to live should line up with what God says it should be and not based on man's opinion. So often, you and I, we live our lives as if our standard is what somebody else thinks about us. As if our standard is on how many likes we get. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is... Our standard must line up with God's standard for us. Paul goes on to say they insist on asceticism. We'll get back to that later. He says they insist on worship of angels and they go on about visions. There is this belief that real salvation won't come apart from worshiping angels and these hyped up visions. And Paul is saying no other being is worthy of worship rather than Jesus. There's nobody else that is worthy of attention like Jesus is. There are people who try to convince this young church that there was something higher, that there was something deeper, and only if they believed in that higher or deeper thing will they be more acceptable to Jesus. Paul is saying, no, that's not how it works. Yet even in verse 19, in so many words, Paul tells the church to hold fast, which means to be firmly committed. He's saying be firmly committed to Jesus, for he is the head, and every part of the church is fueled by the head, who is Jesus. The church is not fueled by a vision, and the church isn't fueled by the worship of something else. It's fueled by Jesus Paul is telling the Colossians and even you and I that we don't have to look any further. That all we have to do is look to Jesus. Um, I've been to tons of churches, churches around the country, and I just remember walking into a number of different churches, and you can tell that there was something different about the place. There's people speaking in tongues. There's, There's... There's a prophetic word that is going forth, and essentially people, you can tell, were were highly anticipating this prophetic word, and people would get in line to get a prophetic word. They would give a certain gift to get a prophetic word, and essentially what they desired is something supernatural, supernatural. And it, is, it has been the, the tradition of the church for decades for people to be led astray, to look to what is supernatural apart from Jesus. We, we look to a prophetic word or we look to somebody to speak into our lives or to have some kind of vision or, or the lightning in the sky. And the apostle Paul is saying it's Jesus It's him. Do I believe in the supernatural? Absolutely. Do I believe that God can still heal people? Absolutely. Do I believe that God communicates to us in different ways? Absolutely. But should we look to those things as supreme over who Jesus is and the work that he has done? Absolutely not. This is what Paul is saying. You cannot add those things to the work of Jesus. Lastly, we have to see that Christ has finished the work. See, we don't have to have a counterfeit faith based on things that will not last because Christ has finished the work. This is why Paul says in verse 20, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits or if in Christ you died to the element the elementary principles the elementary human principles why as if you are still alive in the world do you submit to regulations Paul is essentially he's asking the church he's posing them a question he's saying why do you go back to those old things He's not doing this to condemn them because Paul knows this story all too well. He, he knows it himself. He, he speaks of this in Romans chapter 7. He talks about the law and his own sin. And Romans chapter 7 points us to the reality that, that this isn't foreign to the apostle Paul. He says in Romans chapter 7 verse 15, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Verse 18 says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that it is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Verse 24, uh, Paul essentially goes on to say of himself, oh, wretched man that I am. And what, what the apostle Paul is expressing, even in Romans, is his own propensity to struggle. He, 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 is, he is telling us about his own propensity to go back and forth. And so when he says to the Colossians, why are you going back to regulations? He understands it all too well. He's not condemning them. He says he knows it himself in Romans chapter 7. He knows what it is to struggle, to not want to dabble in a certain issue of sin, but he finds himself in that place. But he continues to push them to who Jesus is. This is the perfect picture of sanctification. And so many of us, we, we, we try behavior modification over and over and over again. If I can just stop doing this, if I can just stop doing that, if I can just stop answering those text messages, I'll be good. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is, no, elevate who Jesus is in your life understand who Jesus is and go back to the throne of grace over and over again go back to get this the finished work of Jesus and you and I need this we need it Paul is essentially saying I'm a fellow struggler dare I say I'm I would raise my hand this I'm a fellow struggler I ain't got it all together in the same message in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, when Paul wrote, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I tell you this morning, Christ has finished the work. And because of it, you can't live the same and you can't operate in the same way. See, one day, all of the things we tend to hold on to will no longer be useful because they will all fade away. And the only thing that will remain is Christ Jesus. All of the rules and all of the regulations, dare I say, they cannot compare to who Jesus is. Paul says they have an appearance of asceticism. Here's what that means. There is such a thing as false humility. There is such a thing as false deprivation. This is what's happening in this text. There are some people who would literally deprive themselves of certain things, and they try to put on this picture of humility but, they were really, but what they were really doing is feeding their own flesh. There are people who would say, I'm going to deprive myself from wealth. I'm going to deprive myself from certain things. I'm going to deprive myself. And I, I, I want to put on as if I'm a humble person. But what they're really doing is feeding their own flesh. And Paul calls it out. See, their rules were less about God and more about themselves. This is the same message that the Apostle Paul is proclaiming to the Colossians. There's a Scottish uh, preacher, a Scottish preacher, Alexander McLaren, who once said, ascetic religion is godless, for its practitioners essentially worship themselves. This is the point that the Apostle Paul is making That legalistic people give off the appearance that it's all good, but all the rules and all the regulations are more about themselves than they are about worship of the one who has finished the work for us. And in essence, Paul is saying, don't settle for a counterfeit faith. You've been washed clean, you've been freed from slavery. Don't settle for an empty duffel bag. You've been washed clean. You've been freed. Don't go back to becoming a slave to rules and regulations. It's the same thing that Paul pointed to in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, when he said, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Hear, hear me when I say Christianity is not about rules we are to do. It's about what Jesus has done. I know a guy who um, spent a significant amount of time in prison, um, particularly his longest stint was seven years. And he spent um, seven long years in prison. And, and, and a part of that seven years, uh, he spent 32 months in solitary confinement. He he has told the story of only getting showers on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. He has told the story of, that on those off days, instead of being taken to the shower, the, the, the corrections officers would, just to bother him, they would bring him a bucket so that he could wash up rather than taking him to the shower. He He talked about how his mind was affected during those 32 months of being in solitary confinement. How he began talking to himself, how he began to do crazy things and think crazy thoughts, how he would act out after these 32 months of being in solitary confinement. And it is no wonder that once he was freed, he wanted nothing else to do with prison. It is no wonder that once he walked out of the bondage, he wanted nothing else to do with those guards and he wanted nothing else to do with those other inmates. And he said from his own mouth, I never want to go back ever again. This is what Paul is pointing us to. Why do we want to go back to slavery? Why do we want to go back to rules and regulations when Christ He has opened the doors that we can walk out as free sons and daughters because of the work that he has accomplished at the cross of Calvary. That he's died the death that you and I should have died. That he was buried in a borrowed tomb and that he rose again on the third day. That's freedom. And all he requests of us is to have faith. And to believe that he is who he says he is. That you and I may never settle for a counterfeit faith. Father, we thank you for the privilege of your word. Thank you, God, that your word is still relevant. That your word is still meaningful for us today. And God, I pray that you would stir us up even after we walk out of this place, God, would you stir our hearts, would you stir our affections for you, God, that we may look to you and not our morality. God, that we would look to you and not our performance or our duty, but God, that we may look to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.